0: Well, good morning. It's good to see you. I'm glad you guys braved the California weather. Oh, man. Fall is on us with a vengeance. Um, We're going to be concluding our series today entitled tribe. We've been having this conversation on what it means to be a tribe. Remember Peter says that you were once a people but you were once you were once not a people but now you are the people of God. We are moving from this place from what it is to be a person to actually being connected to a people. And we know what tribes look like in some ways there's families, right? You can hear that family right there. You know, we have families that we know them to be kind of tribes. You might have a, a tribe with a, a place at work, you know, where you or a sports group that you're in. It's you feel like a tribe. There's a group of people gathered together for a cause, for a purpose. There, there is intention. There is uh, some organization to bring structure to move that idea forward, and that's what we are. A tribe, you know, in the sense of not just the church collectively as a whole, but even in this community, Genesis is the tribe that I am a part of. And as we've been looking at that, we've been seeing how it's all about the relationships and how we connect with one another. Because if you don't have relationships, you really don't have anything. And so today I want to talk about what it is to protect, what it means to be in a tribe, and what protection looks like. And to start off, I'm gonna start off with a little exercise for you, okay? I want you to imagine that you can only have five people. Now you can set up the scenario however you want. It's a deserted island, and there's only five people who go onto this tropical paradise with you. Okay, you have a phone and it only calls five phone numbers. That's it. You can't text or message or see anyone else's Instagram but these five people. Or maybe it's an apocalypse. The world is ending and these are the five people that are you're stuck with, okay? I want you to think of five people. Now, here's the the tricky part. It cannot be family. I know, but hey, I've got four people in my family, okay, so you guys wouldn't be there, all right? I mean, I want it to be someone outside of family, okay? I want you to write this down. If you got your phone and you got a little note, take a little, we're going to have 30 seconds. I really want you to think about this. Five people can spend the rest of your life with only these five people that you can call. Just five people. If you want to talk with each other about who those five people will be, you know, if it's not family, you can say, yeah, you. And, you know, because you don't want to leave them out. You know, the sorry, you're going to die in the apocalypse. You're not part of my five. Five people. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, write them down. Five people. I see the smoke. I see the wheels turning, you guys. You guys having a hard time? Is it some of you know. <laughs> okay, these five people are five people who are close to you. Sometimes we find it difficult to commit. And when you think of these five people, the odds are that these five people are the five people who have the most opportunity to actually hurt you, to cause injury to you, to emotionally affect you. You see, no one I know has been emotionally damaged by their barista. You know? uh, maybe for the day if they ruined my drink, right? But it's not like, oh no, man, the waiter just, uh, they devastated me. We are hurt by the people who we are close to. And and these Fei Five, thank you T Mobile for that, these Fei Five that you have, the people who you want to be with or who you would want to be with are the people who you have to open yourself up to in order for them to be close. But when you are close, you're dangerous. Because tribes are dangerous. Because we make ourselves vulnerable when we open ourselves to other people. And so many times what we do is we guard ourselves because betrayal can only happen from someone who is close to us. And we want to protect ourselves from that. So sometimes we will limit the amount of people who can come into this close inner circle. And the people who betrayed Jesus were the people who were closest to him. Peter denied him three times. He went to pray in Gethsemane at the garden. He was about to be taken to, to be led to the crucifixion. And he said, can't you stay awake with me even for an hour? And they fell asleep. When they captured him, they scattered. The people who were closest to him we're the ones who betrayed him. And you will find the same thing is true in our lives, that the people who are closest to us are the ones who can betray us. They're the ones who can hurt us. But what we want to do is find a way of how can we, instead of hurt people, but how can we actually protect people? It's an interesting thing. In World War I, more soldiers died from infection than they did from bullets, bombs, hand grenades, shrap metal, anything like that. More people died because of infection than of bullets. Isn't that mind-blowing? That's just unreal. To think that, you know, you could survive, you know, some kind of explosion, but you get a cut on your arm and then you end up dying from an infection. And it wasn't until, I think it was 1936 where they invented something. What did they invent that helped everything? Penicillin. penicillin. <laughs> World War II, it drastically changed because of the invention of penicillin. And in World War I, the people who fought in Africa did not suffer the infection process that the people did, say, in France. Because there's no water in Africa. If you got shot and you hit the ground, you got dirt in your wound and it kind of packed the wound and it kept the infection from coming into your body. But in France or someplace in Europe where it was wet, you get cut and then all of a sudden it starts to develop the infection. If there's something in that water, that something in the water starts to get in you. And what a crazy thing. I mean, back then... You know, you get a cut on your arm and it could cause serious problems. If you had strep throat before penicillin, you could die from strep throat. Isn't that crazy? Go to the doctor. Yeah, strep throat. Yeah, I'll give you a few days. We'll see what's going to happen. Crazy. And then penicillin comes along and it changes. And you see, it's crazy that what we need to survive is water, but that same water, when it's contaminated, when it has something that is problematic within it, it will actually destroy us. And the same thing is true in our relationships. We need relationships, but if there is an unhealthy relationship, something that's dysfunctional in it, something that's contaminated, it can actually start to eat away and destroy you. And it happens in tribes. It happens if there isn't a a mentality of health that is part of that tribe that pushes the tribe forward. If we don't have the understanding that we are, are here to protect each other, if we don't see ourselves as the penicillin that the other person needs, then we can actually cause as much damage or more damage than good. And I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who have been injured by church. Maybe you're here. It was someone in church who did something to you, who hurt you in a way. And so many people have been hurt and so they stay away because it's dangerous. And so this is the problem. It's what we need, but the potential is problematic. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. I want to look at what Jesus says. And I love this story. Matthew chapter 18, starting at verse 1. It says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? I love this question because it's honest, Right? you want to know who's the best. I mean, I'm a pretty competitive guy. In fact, if I'm going to be involved in a competition, I like to know who I'm involved with. Because if I have to race somebody, not that I've raced anyone in a long time, but if I were to have to race somebody and I saw that they were much faster than me, I'd say, no, that's okay why i don't want to raise someone who's faster than me i'll lose no point in that i don't mind being challenged but i want to win and so i can appreciate this question this question i can understand this reasoning where with jesus you know jesus is going to establish some kingdom i wonder who he's going to pick to be his vice president who's going to be at his right hand and so they ask him who then is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and he called a little child to him placed the child among them and he said truly i tell you unless you change <laughs> which means it ain't you right now okay <laughs> unless you change and become like little children you will never enter the kingdom of heaven the way you're thinking now isn't the way there brings the child in unless you become like a little ch- like little children you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven therefore verse 4 whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me and so jesus paints this picture for them with this illustration bringing this child in A child, and you think there's so many analogies here, what what this could mean. A child is innocent. A, A child is trusting. But you know what a child also is? Is a child is dependent on someone else. They actually need someone else for them to survive. See, there's a passage in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus sends out the disciples and as he sends them out, he goes, I want you to go out, but don't take a purse, don't take a bag, don't take any sandals. You can't have a wallet, you can't have your backpack and no shoes as you go out to talk to people. What's with that? Why can't I take my shoes, right? Shoes are kind of not a big deal, Why can't I have my wallet? What if I want to get a cup of coffee on the way over there? What if I need to get something to eat? And what Jesus is doing is he's sending them out in a place of dependency. I want you to go out, but you're not going out there as, hey, I've got something to give to you. You're going out there as, hey, I'm in need of what you can give me. And when they are giving to you, you will have something in turn to give to them. You see, a little child is someone who depends on their parents, who depends on them for life. You're my protection. You're my comfort. You're my provision. I need you. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven is someone who actually is in a position of need. And that puts us in an awkward state because that makes us vulnerable. And so you need people, but here's the thing people need you. The other day I was talking with my wife and. We were going to do something and she wasn't sure if she was going to go or not. And then she found out someone else was going and she goes, oh, I want to go. It wasn't enough that I was going, right? She needed, someone else was going, so she goes, oh, I want to go. And she goes, is that bad? I go, well, that's natural. If there's someone who you want to spend time with, you want to go. But I, I told her, I go, do you realize that people say the same thing about you? That when you go, they actually say, oh, I want to go. Why? Because Corrine is going. Do you see that in your life? That when you don't show up, someone misses you. Because someone is depending on you. Just like you want someone else to be there for you, someone wants you to be there for them. This is part of what it is as a tribe, and that's how we start filling this gap for one another. And so as Jesus is explaining this and giving this great picture of who is great in the kingdom of God, it's a person who is actually dependent on others, a person who is vulnerable, a person who is trusting. He moves on in verse 6, and he says, if anyone causes one of these little ones those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned into the depths of the sea. It's like, whoa, (laughs) when did the conversation change, right? Here's a little kid, yes, come the little children here, but I just wonder if his voice dropped an octave, you know, but if anyone messes with these little kids... I mean, Jesus just gets all heavy all of a sudden. And he's not making this up off the top of his head. This is actually a form of execution that the Romans and the Greeks used. You see, if you were a criminal, they might crucify you. But actually, if they wanted to do things even worse for you, they would take you out on a boat. A millstone is this huge rock that they would use to, to grind up grain and they would tie a rope to it they would tie it around you and they'd leave about 30 40 feet and then they would push it off the boat so you get to see the rope and that's like okay and then it would take you down and you see the sea at this time was not just a sign of mortality that you can die but it was known as the abyss. It was a place where if you were to die in the sea, you would never find rest. There was this understanding, the stigma of the sea as being a place where you will never find your resting place. That's why in Revelation when it says the end, then there was no more sea, the new heaven and the new earth. Why is that? Because the sea represented something that was evil back then, something that was dark, something that was happened. And so Jesus is saying that it would be better for you to be thrown into the ocean with a millstone than to harm one of these children. Now, the interesting thing about this is he doesn't say that he's going to protect the children. He's actually leaving protection up to us. Has anyone gone through something where God wasn't there to protect you? I have. Okay, you guys are lying out there. I know you want to say yes, but it seems like a lack of faith if I say yes. But there are things we go through where God is not there to protect us. You see, the whole point is someone was supposed to be there to protect you. That's what he is charging them with. And so some of us here have been molested when we were children, or we know people who have been molested when they were children. I want you to know how God feels about that. It would be better for that person to have a millstone tied around their neck and thrown into the ocean. But he wants us to be the ones who protect as well. You see, we are stepping into this place where now if that little one is in danger, then I need to be the person who rises to the occasion and stops that. And the picture is so clear when it's a child because children are so helpless. They need someone to take care of them. They can be and are taken advantage of over and over again. And it is our job to step into a place of protection for them because they cannot help themselves. Well, I got to tell you, there are times in our lives where we need the same thing. There are times when we are vulnerable. There are times when we are broken. There are times when we are struggling and we need people in our lives to hold us up. Sometimes I just need to call someone and just say, I need to talk. Can we meet? This is going on in my life. I'm not sure what to do. I need advice. Last night, I was at a Dodger game and my son called me from Texas. It's funny, went to the game. It was three scores. It was two to one. The Dodgers won I didn't see any of the scores. Every time it was like I was out of the stadium. What happened? Oh, there's a crowd. Oh, it's over. But anyway, that's besides the point. He calls me and I leave because you can't hear in the stadium. I go out and he goes, Hey, Dad, I need some advice. And he told me some of the things he's going through and some of the struggles that he's facing and what he was thinking. And he just needed to talk to his dad that made me feel good to to be able to talk to my son and to be able to help him and to stop and to pray with him. And him saying, thanks, Dad, I needed to talk. Of course. Of course, son. Anytime you need to talk. I love hearing from you. That's what a tribe is. And, And I'm privileged for those of you who have called me in times past with your struggles and say, hey, I, I need to talk to you. And sometimes it's been hard. I, I don't always like hearing the news. I, I don't like going and having to deal with you know, our friends who are in the hospital dying of cancer. I, I don't like to deal with the struggles that are there when you find out that someone's son has committed suicide. I don't like dealing with those things, but... That's what it is to be in a tribe. And when you open up your hurts to someone else, that person has a responsibility to take care of you. And it's not just me. We do that for each other. We are here to care for one another. And this picture that he is giving us of the child is he's giving us really that instruction that we are to care for one another you know in matthew chapter 23 later on verse 37 jesus is standing over jerusalem and he says jerusalem jerusalem you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you how often i have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing you see this picture of a maternal, you know, instinct of wanting to bring children in into safety, but they were resisting and would not come. And so we see the heart of God wanting to reach out that they wanted. He wanted them to come, but they were unwilling. And boy, doesn't that break your heart when you see someone just going down. They're taking a nosedive and you can see the dots. You're going who are you going out with. Ah, uh, you know, I know that guy. Everybody knows that guy. This isn't going well. Can I give you advice? Oh, no, no, it's fine. God told me we're to be together. And you think, well, I think you should get a second opinion. Not that I don't trust God. I just don't think you heard from God. And you see the hurt later on. And you've got to be there to step in and say, hey, take take a break from this. Or stop living that way. It's destroying you. But Sometimes people aren't willing. Sometimes our kids aren't willing. Sometimes our friends aren't willing. But it's our job to try. It's our job to want to gather them. To want to protect them. To want to bring them in so that there is that closeness to us. And protection for them. Anyone ever been to a wedding? If you've been to a wedding, you've heard 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind, doesn't boast, isn't proud, right? And in that verse or in that passage, 1 Corinthians 13 7, it says that love, it always protects, always trusts always hopes, always perseveres. It's interesting that word protect. The word protect there in the Greek is the word stego. I think that word sounds sounds cool. Stego. If I have a bodyguard, I'm going to name him stego. Protect me. Stego. (laughs) I thought it was cool. Um, But that word "protect," stego. In some translations, it actually says something different. And the... New International Version, it says protect. If you got the English Standard Version, it'll say bears all things. King James will say suffers long. And you see, this word protect is also the same word that's used for suffer. Because they go together. See, has anyone who's loved Suffered? You should, it comes with the territory. And it's interesting because this word to protect means to to keep away, but it also means to hold close. And it's like, how bizarre. It means both things. It means to guard against, but it also means to shield against. And you see, that's what love is. It's a place where you can come and find security and a place that also keeps the harm away. And it goes hand in hand. And so the the rubber meets the road in this relationship with one another where we are going to actually step into a place where we care enough to suffer, where we want to protect enough to bear with the problem, where we want to be involved enough to actually make a difference. The people who are on your fave five are the people who you've stepped into their lives. You've probably suffered with them. You've probably borne things with them, and you've probably protected them. And the reason they're close to you is because of those things. And that's supposed to be the condition of a tribe. That's what we want Genesis to be, a place that is a community, a place that is a tribe, a place where we care about one another. So when Judy finds out that her son is having liver failure, she can call us up and she can say, can you pray for my son? This isn't just a person. This is her son. This is my sister's son. Of course I'm going to pray for her. Of course I'm going to follow up and find out how she's doing. Of course I want to know what's going on. Why? Because you are close to me. I want to bear this with you. And by bearing it with you, I also protect you. Because when things go wrong and life punches you in the face, you have people by your side that are on your fave five and you can call and say, hey, life's kicking me right now. And you see, the great thing about Jesus and what he does in the heart of a tribe is not only does he protect those children who the millstone needs to be hung around that predator's neck and dropped into the sea, he also deals with the predators. You see, you might be here and you might say, I was actually one of those people. Maybe it wasn't a child. Maybe it was a relationship that you abused. Maybe it was a friendship you took advantage of. Maybe it was your parents you you lied to or stole from. Maybe it was another situation. You see, sometimes we play the role of the predator too. And then Jesus says, I will take that millstone. And he took the millstone of each one of us upon himself to the bottom of the sea. So that we can now come with a a clear conscience before God saying, God, I know who I am, but I know what you've done for me. And I know now what you want me to do for others. And this is where we need to go. You know, it, it, it's the people who I've been involved with the deepest hurt are the people who I'm really closest to. The people who have been there for me in my deepest hurt are the people that I'm closest to. And we've gone through some dark things, some dark things. And I know some of your stories. And I know that you've gone through things too. And it's so good to have someone there with you when you go through it. The times where Corinne and I have been struggling. I mean, having to deal with problems in our family and struggles to make it happen. People have called and said, hey, what can we do? can I get you a flight to go see your son? have paid our way so that we can make this happen. I can't tell you what that means when you're in a place in despair and saying, I don't know what to do. I can't do anything. And someone comes alongside and says, here, let me help you. Let me bear this with you. Let me guard you in this. And they're a part of my life. And that's what a tribe looks like. You see, I I don't want to go to church. That's not enough for me. And I hope it's not enough for you that you've just come here to hear my wonderful and inspiring messages. That's not enough. I don't care how wonderful, how inspiring, inspiring, inspiring that talk is. That's not enough for my life. What I need is people by my side to strengthen me. And if you've been hurt by church, and I know some of you have, like I have been hurt by church, I want you to understand that to get the benefits of what tribe is about, you have to step back into a place of vulnerability, not stupidity. Hopefully we've gotten wiser over the years and through the things that have happened to us. You know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. Not going to be fooled again. No. Uh, that's a political thing there. Um, if we don't step into that vulnerability and take the chance, we will lose out on community. We will lose on, out on what it means to be a tribe. And part of the protection that's necessary is keeping people from bearing everybody's burden. See, I can't bear all of your burdens. I mean, we can do so much. I only have so much time. You only have so much time. There's only so much we can give. But there are other people who can help. Other people you might be closer to than you're close to me. And you need them and I need them. And, And so we are here to help serve one another. You know, the reason we could do the cafeteria in Haiti is because everyone was a part of it. The reason we can do the construction in Mexico is because we got people who can do construction. If it was up to Gabe and I, I don't know what would get done. He would cut their hair and, and I would eat the tacos, you know. I mean, I, I don't know what would get done, but we have other people can say, hey, can you get that? Can you put that here? Okay, sure, I can do that if you help me know what I should do. And then it starts to work together. And we need each other. Your tribe needs you. Don't be afraid because you've been hurt before. Let's protect one another and let's strengthen one another. And one of the areas where I want to protect our tribe here even this morning, and I'm probably going to do this throughout the weeks to come, especially when we're shorthanded, is we have a few people who are gone on vacation this week. And so I need two men who will stay to help clean up when everything is done, to help put chairs away, help roll all the things, get it taken care of into the trailer. Can I get two guys to do that? Hands of two guys. Joe. Wow, i got four guys. That's a tribe. That's a team. Okay, if you guys could stay and help just make sure everything is taken and all the way into the trailer. See, that's what a tribe looks like. You know, Should I push it with the children's ministry? <laughs> Let me share this with you. And, and again, I, I don't want to guilt you, but I want you to understand the blessing that it is to be a part of something. My wife has been in the nursery for think the last month, especially since Terry has cancer and is dealing with her chemo and treatment and is not doing well, so someone's had to fill in. And my wife has been in there, and she comes home excited about ideas of what to do with the children's ministry. She, she loves doing that because she's now a part of that. But she shouldn't have to be there every week. It'd be great if someone else would step in. She should hear my wonderful messages because she, she won't listen to me at home. I'm hoping she will hear. <laughs> but that's just where a tribe steps in. I don't want to pressure you. I, want, I don't want to make you feel like you have to. I want you to want to be part of the movement that we want to be a part of. I don't want anyone serving who doesn't want to serve. In fact, if you are here and you're serving in the children's ministry or ushers or whatever, and you're saying, I really don't like this, what I'd really like to do is paint or whatever, I don't know, let me know. I don't want you to have to labor and for tribe to be a burden. I want it to flourish, and it will flourish when you're alive doing what it is you want to do. Let's pray. Father, even as I'm talking, I do want to lift Terry up to you, Lord. Lord, she's been struggling with this cold and it's been lingering, and I pray you would bring health to her body, strength to her soul, Lord. Lord, I know it's depressing wanting to move forward with her chemo treatments and not being able to, and then the transplant just gets put off and so the the weight just lingers on lord we just want to come alongside her i I thank you so much for all the people who are taking her food every week god you you've provided for that family through this tribe and i'm grateful for the love and support that she has received even as she tells me all the people who come by and call her lord thank you for the love that is there heal her god for her sake lord we miss her we love her and we want to see her better and lord for again jeff judy's son and those who are sick and struggling here father I, i don't know all the needs lord but lord may we step into those needs with one another lord may we be vulnerable may we protect and may we bear these burdens may we guard our hearts against being exclusive. And may we guard our hearts, Lord, from being people who use instead of protect. Shape our community to look like you, Jesus, to look like that little child who's in need, who's dependent, but who trusts. Lord, might your life be seen in us as we do those things. Let's stand together as Raymond leads us in a song. May you find the greatness in becoming a little child. May you see that the definition of love itself is to be one who protects and one who bears. And may your fave five not leave anyone out. God bless you guys. Have a great day.